All right, let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Galatians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Let's pray, and we're going to ask our Lord to bless the reading of his word here tonight, okay? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that you would bless this section of scripture that we're about to read from here tonight. We pray that you will anoint it, Lord God, and let it minister to our hearts. Let it challenge us, Lord. And I pray that it will help us to be thankful and appreciate the salvation that we have and that you made it so easy for us to be saved and to be forgiven and to become children of God and for us to be able to go to heaven. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for all that you've done for us, Jesus. Bless it now and help me, Father, to communicate your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said... Amen. All right. Very good. Let me read this section of scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. And it says this. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. All right, there's a lot of information in this section of Scripture. All right, and we spent quite a bit of time looking at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. And the reason we spent so much time in verse 1 is because it talks about some really important concepts here in terms of our faith and relationship to Jesus Christ. We learned that because of Christ, we have been set free. How many of you would confess that you are a different person today than you were when you were before you knew God? Okay. Hopefully you've experienced some kind of a change, some kind of a, a, a difference in your life. You see things better. You understand things better. You're able to hear God, talk to God, experience God, feel God. Uh, before I, I can only speak for myself before knowing the Lord, before I was born again, I would have never come to church and lifted up my hands or opened my mouth to worship him and to praise him to me. That would have, I would have been so, so foolish to do something like that. I was way too cool. I was way too bad. And there, you would never find me doing anything like that. But after I came to Christ, all of a sudden, I wanted to worship God and I didn't care what anybody thought. I wanted to praise God and I didn't care what anybody said. I don't care how anybody criticized me. It was a change of my heart. 
and of my mind and of my attitude and of my perspective because I was a brand new creation. God set me free from myself. How many of you are glad for that day that when that happened to you, can you say amen, church? I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, a, an amazing thing, a supernatural thing, a miraculous thing that God was able to set us straight by setting us free. Praise God. Okay. Free from the requirements of the law or having to fulfill the law. Free from the bondages and slavery and captivity and power of sin. Free from darkness, ignorance, bondage, captivity, and the consequences of sin in our lives. Man, we've been forgiven. We're on our way to heaven. We're children of God. God loves us. He approves of us. Are we perfect? No. Do we still mess up? Yes. But the blood of Jesus, and because of the blood of Jesus, we are now his kids and he loves us and we're on our way to heaven church praise god for that we talked about liberty we have been liberated from the powers of the enemy the power of hell the power of the grave the power of sin and blindness and destruction and eternal damnation we've been liberated from all that we don't have to be afraid uh, of eternity because we know that we're going to be with the lord we don't have to be afraid of hell or anything that has to do with hell because god has set us free and liberated us from the power of hell before christ we were slaves and without hope and promise like hagar but when we received christ even though we were not born Jewish. The majority of us, I don't see Ann Gaynor in here. The majority of us were not born Jewish. Just, uh, just, I'm just going to throw it out there. Is anybody in here born Jewish? Anybody at all? Let me see. No, no, no. Okay. So even though we were not born Jewish and even though we were not circumcised, when we received Christ, we became children of God. And like Isaac, we became children of the Abrahamic promise. We talked about that. The Abrahamic covenant, we talked about that. Like Sarah, we represent freedom in Christ, freedom from slavery. Okay? We also learned that this freedom and liberty that was, uh, that is ours as Christians that we enjoy today is because of Jesus Christ. Not because of you, not because of me, not because of our efforts, not because we deserve it. It was all because of Jesus. We owe everything to the Lord. That's why we need to be loyal to him. He's given us everything. Can you say amen, church? And and so everything that we have is because of Christ. We owe our salvation and freedom and liberty to him. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins on the cross. He died on the cross. He gave his body and blood on the cross. He gave his life so that we might be free, so that we would be liberated. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we also learn how important it is that we guard our heart and, and protect ourselves from getting entangled with things from our former way of life before we knew God. I don't know what you were into. I don't know what your program was. I don't know what turned you on before you know the Lord. But God is warning us here. Hey, God set you free from that. Don't go back to it. Okay? For the Jew, the Apostle Paul is saying, do not let yourself go back to the Old Testament traditions of the requirements of the law that obligated you to fulfill the law through your own works and efforts. Have any of you ever seen in, in the Jewish community, the Orthodox Jews, how they dress 
in their black hats and then their black long coats and they have the little curly cues of the hair. Okay, those are Orthodox Jews. And the reason why they do all that is because they're still, even today, in 2021, they're still trying to please God by fulfilling the law. And the Bible says, even God himself says, nobody can do it. It's impossible to do. And the Apostle Paul is telling the Jewish people, hey, you don't have to go back to that anymore. You don't have to try to satisfy a holy God by trying to please him through these good works or acts of righteousness. It it can't happen. It's impossible. For the Gentile, which is you and I who are not born Jewish, the Bible is telling us, don't go back to that life or lifestyle that Jesus set you free from. Don't let yourself get entangled again in that situation. God untangled you. Why do you want to go back and get yourself all tangled up with sin again? If you're going to get tangled up with anyone, get tangled up with Jesus. Get tangled up so much with Jesus that you can't get free from him, okay? I mean, just take Jesus everywhere with you. So get tangled up with Jesus. Don't get entangled again with your your past lifestyle. Don't allow yourself to be burdened with a yoke or have to carry a heavy load. In our basic doctrine class, we're learning the four doctrines or the four aspects of the ministry of Christ. We're learning why we call the four square church the four square church. The reason why we call the four square church the four square church is because we believe in four different aspects of the ministry of Jesus. We believe that Jesus Christ is, uh, who can tell me? Savior. Very good. Somebody's, somebody paid attention in class. He, Jesus Christ is the Savior. Jesus Christ is the uh, baptizer with the Holy Spirit. Wow, you guys are coming alive now. All right. And Jesus Christ is the uh, healer. Very good. And Jesus Christ is the uh, Soon and coming king. Very good. Now, in the third one, where we talk about Jesus Christ being our healer, we also say that he's our burden bearer. Our burden bearer. Sometimes we do need for Jesus to be our savior. We get ourselves in trouble, and we need for him to save us out of that trouble. Not only to save us from our sin and the consequences of sin, but at times we literally need for Jesus to save us from very dangerous and scary situations. I don't know if any of you have ever gotten close. You were in about to get in a car crash and you cried out to Jesus and somehow or other you didn't get in that car crash. Or you were about, you were facing some kind of dangerous situation and in that dangerous situation you cried out to Jesus in your fear and your terror and somehow, someway you're still alive today. Sometimes we need for Jesus to be our baptizer with the Holy Spirit. We need for him to empower us with supernatural power, with anointed power, with godly power, with divine power. You may have to teach a Bible study one day. You may have to pray for somebody one day. And and you're going to say, God, please, I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to act. I don't know what what to speak on. And then, boom, God hits you with something, either an idea or a prayer, or a word, or you just feel something from God, and you begin to pray, or you begin to speak, and man, God fills you with that power. Sometimes we need to remember that Jesus Christ is coming soon. 
that this is not our permanent home. God needs to remind us from time to time, don't get too comfortable down here on this earth because I'm coming soon and I'm going to take you away. So don't get too caught up in this life because this is not what it's all about. One day you're going to go to heaven. One day you're going to see Jesus face to face and all this is going to be in the past. And we need to remember that Jesus Christ is coming soon. But sometimes in life, we need for Jesus to be our burden bearer. Okay? I, I often say this. You can probably get tired of me saying this. But again, I can really and truly understand why people who do not have a relationship with God do crazy things. First of all, I remember how I was before I knew God. And when I would get scared or I would get concerned or when things would go wrong and I needed answers, I could understand why people who don't have a relationship with God do crazy things. I could understand why they want to drink alcohol and get drunk because they need to find some way to alleviate some of their pain. I can understand why they want to try to take some drugs because they want to try to escape the pressure that they're feeling of life. I can understand why they try to find comfort in the arms of a prostitute because they don't really receive love from their mom. They don't receive love from their dad. They don't. Sometimes they don't even receive love from their spouse and, and they're looking for love and unfortunately they go to the wrong places and I could understand that and, and I could understand why why in someone's anger and rage they want to hurt someone and even want to kill someone or why they feel so hopeless and helpless that they want to commit suicide and just give up and that's why you and I who are in Christ today we need to be thankful that he's in our lives because when we go through this stuff we can always call on Jesus to help us to carry the load and the burden and the weight of life are you guys listening to what I'm saying that's why I'm letting you know you and I who know the Lord we don't need the drugs we don't need the alcohol we don't need all this extra stuff that's going on there we don't need to kill anybody or beat anybody up we can go to our God and say God Help me to deal with these crazy emotions and needs and desires and passions that I'm wrestling with. And you know what? God begins to lift that burden and help us to live and to get through this life that sometimes it gets hard. Even if you're a Christian, it still gets hard. Because the issues of life, the problems of life, the burdens of life are just too heavy for the human soul to bear or to deal with at times. And we collapse under the weight of it, under the pain of it, and we're overcome and we're knocked down. But for those of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ becomes our burden bearer. He comes alongside and he lets us know that he will help us deal with the heavy burdens and loads of life. So, for example, Tony, if you're carrying a heavy burden, isn't it easier if somebody comes by and says to you, you know what, tell Tony, I want to help. Send up Tony really quick. I want to help you. Let's walk together, Tony, me, and we're going to carry this burden together. You don't have to do it by yourself anymore, Tony. I'm going to help you carry that weight, that burden. It, doesn't it feel good for Christ to come by your side and help you to deal with with that pain, whatever it is that you're experiencing. That's what Jesus does for us. In Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, it says, Come to me. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, Come to me, 
all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Don't go to the alcohol. Don't go to that sex. Don't go to those drugs. Don't don't let your anger get out of control. Don't beat somebody up. Don't get all, all loaded and get arrested for a DUI. Don't end up in prison or jail or hurt or messed up. No, go to Jesus. He says, come to me. That's what he says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. The devil, he's going to thrash you. He's going he's gonna to destroy you. He's going to, I mean, he's going to tear you up. But God, he says, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It doesn't mean that things get where you don't have to do anything. No, you still have to deal with life, but it gets easier because God is with you dealing with life. Okay. Sometimes even though we know Christ as our savior, even though we're saved, we need for Jesus to help us with the here and now. Sometimes even though, uh, we have the Holy Spirit in us, we need Jesus to help us with the here and now. Sometimes even though we know that Jesus is coming soon and that heaven awaits us, we need for Jesus to help us with the here and now. We need for Jesus to be our burden bearer. Let him help you. Go to him in your time of sorrow or stress or strain or hurt or, or pain or whatever it is that you're going through. Go to the Lord. This is why Galatians chapter five, verse one warns us and tells us not to go back to that life that was such a heavy burden, that life and lifestyle that was taking you right to hell. Now, in Galatians chapter five, verse one, let me read it again. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set, you, set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened or entangled again by a yoke of slavery. And then it says, it continues now in verse 2. So in verse 1, it, it says that. And now in verse 2, it says this. Mark my words. Now, as I read this, as I read this, notice how many times the word circumcised is used in this section of scripture. That's why I'm kind of glad that the kids went out of the church because I don't want them to even know what that word means right now. They're way too young to know what that word circumcised. I hate even saying that word because I think of nothing but pain when I say that word. Okay. So let me start from the beginning. Galatians chapter five, verse one, and just kind of note how many times the word circumcised appears. Okay. It says it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm them then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? 
That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. So, why is this subject of circumcision such a serious issue for the Jewish people? From the very beginning of the New Testament Christian church, the issue of circumcision was causing serious debate and controversy in the church. Okay? Now, at first, the Christian church was made up only of Jews. Only the Jewish people were getting saved. Only the Jewish people were the ones that were forming or developing or making up the Christian church. And sadly, they were getting, when they were, when they were receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they were getting kicked out of the synagogues and they had to form their own little groups, their own little Bible studies, and they formed the Christian church. And it was all Jewish believers. Even the Jewish believers thought that only Jews could receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So far, is everyone following me so far? Can you say amen? And of course, we know that every Jewish person is circumcised. They're circumcised when they're babies, when they're born. Every Jewish little boy is circumcised. And if you don't know what that word means, look it up. I'm not going to tell you what it means right now. Okay? So, when the Gentiles started getting saved, those who are not Jewish, when they started getting saved, it was a shock. It was a shock to all the Jewish believers in the Christian church. The main reason why it was a shock was because these non-Jewish people or Gentiles were not circumcised, and yet God saved them and baptized them in the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in tongues, and they began to prophesy, and they began to preach the gospel, and the Christian leaders in the Christian church, they were shocked. They were shocked that the Gentiles were getting saved, even though they weren't circumcised. The Mexicans were getting saved. The El Salvadorians were getting saved. The Brazilians were getting saved. The Italians were getting saved. The Chinese were getting saved. And none of these people were circumcised. And they were getting saved. And the Jewish leaders were in shock that they were getting saved. Some of the Jewish leaders were insisting that these new Gentile converts needed to be circumcised. But God spoke to the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul and revealed to them that circumcision was no longer required for salvation, at least physical circumcision. We're going to get into the type of circumcision that we get into today. But this physical circumcision was no longer required for salvation anymore. Salvation was by faith in Christ Jesus and the grace of God. And all the men of the church said, Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right? Okay. So it was determined that circumcision was not required anymore to get saved. 
Let me read this section of scripture. We've read it before. It's a long section of scripture. Just kind of bear with me. But this is the section of scripture where the early church was wrestling with this whole thing about whether or not non-Jewish people should get circumcised or not. It says here in the book of Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18. If you could just patiently listen to what I, when I, as I read this, okay? It says, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them? Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Are you glad that God has made you clean by the blood of Jesus today, church? Amen. Praise God for that. Verse 10, it says this. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said, John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God saying, so then, even even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. These people were getting saved Non-Jewish people were getting saved for the very first time in the history of the church. It was shocking. It was unbelievable. But because it was of God, the leaders of the church were saying, it's cool. If God says it's cool, then it's cool with us. The apostles or leaders of the early church even sent a letter to the churches letting them know that circumcision was no longer required for salvation. This was important because they were trying to get all these new converts that were not Jewish circumcised. And that's For a guy, that's a big deal, okay? Acts chapter 15. I want to read this section of Scripture. Again, this is a long section of Scripture, but I pray that it will help you to understand all how complex this was. In Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 1, the Bible says this. Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. 
So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way. And as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, The Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and elders met to consider this question. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving them the, by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them. For he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus, that we are saved just as they are. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. When they finished, James spoke up. Brothers, he said, listen to me. Simon has described to us how God first intervened to choose a people for his name from the Gentiles. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent its ruins I will rebuild and I will restore it that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who bear my name, says the Lord, who does these things, things known from long ago. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult. Verse 19 is key. Listen to this. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. How many of you are glad for verse 19? It says, let me read it again. It says this. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from food polluted, polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from the meat of strangled animals and from blood. Verse 19 again says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. In other words, it's already hard enough to get people converted and get them to repent and surrender to Jesus Christ and to follow Christ. If they had to get circumcised in order to get saved, then lots of people would say, I ain't going to let anybody be cutting away at my private parts. No way. I don't need salvation that bad. But God had mercy. And he said, let's make it easy. Let's make it really easy for people to come to Christ. We're not going to require that anymore. Okay? Because the cutting of the flesh does Nothing. It's the heart. It's the heart that God is after. How many of you are listening to what I'm saying here? Okay? Okay? I 
But even though the Apostle Paul confirmed that circumcision was no longer required for salvation, and even though the Apostle Paul and Barnabas confirmed that circumcision was no longer required for salvation, and even though a letter was written to all the churches and the leaders by the chief apostles in Jerusalem that circumcision was no longer required for salvation, there were still those Jewish leaders of influence that refused to accept this, and they went around to all the new believers and all the new churches that were being birthed and telling the Gentiles that they needed to be circumcised to be saved, and this, of course, was contrary to the gospel message. These are the people that the Apostle Paul is addressing and rebuking in Galatians chapter 5, verses 2 through 12, because they were going in there and they were confusing these new believers. Try to remember what your mindset was like, what your heart was like when you first became a Christian. Again, I'm just going to use myself as an example. When I first became a Christian, I was... I had, first of all, I had never read the Bible, never in my life, okay? Ignorant of the Bible. I didn't know the Old Testament. To me, the Old Testament and the New Testament was this. God had the Old Testament and the New Testament was a new way of writing the Old Testament. That's what I figured in my old head, in my own head, which was totally wrong, okay? And I had never been to a Christian church. I knew nothing. But when I received Jesus Christ, I knew that something powerful happened in my life. The problem is I didn't have the word of God in my life. Okay. Now, at that moment, when I first became a Christian, I was naive, I was ignorant, and I was very vulnerable. To this day, I thank God that a Jehovah's Witness did not get a hold of me. Because I want you to know something. I was so on fire for God, so passionate for God, I would have become the best Jehovah's Witness in the world. I'm telling you, that's how passionate I was. I was ignorant. I was naive. I didn't know anything. But man, I, I was so hungry for God. If a, if a Jehovah's Witness would have got me, I would have been, on, I would have just headstrong into it. If a Mormon would have got me, I would have been full on Mormon. But thank God it was a born again Christian that I hooked up with. And the first thing they did was they gave me a Bible. And it was, I remember it was the Living Bible. Thank God they gave me the Living Bible, not the King James Version of the Bible because I would have been all tore up. But they gave me the Living Bible. Sadly, I don't even think they, they make the Living Bible anymore. Okay? It's a new living translation, which is just as good. But at that time, it was the Living Bible. And I thank God that that person gave me the Living Bible. And I started to read that Bible from, every, I mean, I was devouring that Bible. I was devouring, because remember, I was completely empty empty and naive and ignorant. I knew nothing. And I thank God for that day when, when, uh, when that person gave me that Bible and I started reading it. I didn't go to a Christian church until two years after I was saved. And this was actually the first church that I had been to in my whole life that was not Catholic it was my first Christian church, and I never left. I first came the first day, and I never left. And now I became the pastor. But how did that happen? I can't even explain all that. It's too crazy, okay? Why am I saying all that? Because when you have a bunch of new converts, and someone goes in there and starts teaching them things that are not correct, they're so gullible, they're so naive, they're so ignorant, 
And yet, they're so hungry and so desiring to know about God that they're going to believe anything and everything that you teach them. That's why God says, and he warns us, when you get up here, Jerry, when you get up here on this pulpit, you better make sure that what's coming out of your mouth is from here. Because whoever comes up here and preaches to you out there is going to be responsible to God one day for every word that came out of my mouth. And if it's wrong, if it's false, if it's an error, I'm going to be held accountable for that and for the damage that it causes the people that, that got messed up because of it. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying? Okay? So this is why the Apostle Paul was coming down so hard on these false teachers. And this is why the Apostle Paul was telling the Galatians, dude, you got to listen to me. Don't listen to these false teachers that are trying to make you do things that are no longer right or correct. The circumcision thing, you don't have to do it. God took it away. That's not what God is talking about. Next week, I'm going to explain to you the type, because circumcision didn't go away. We still get circumcised, but we're going to get circumcised in a different way in the spirit of our heart. And we're going to explain that next week. But right now, we just want to try to explain why the Apostle Paul was coming down so hard on these false teachers because these Galatians were brand new believers. They were gullible. They were vulnerable. They were naive. And and, and they were getting confused. And they were getting all mixed up. And the Apostle Paul was going in there to try to help them get straightened out. Everyone understand what I'm saying? Can you say amen? Let's pray right now. Father, in the name of Jesus... Help us all, Lord, to be very careful. Even those of us that have been walking with you for a long time, for years, we have to be careful where we go to church. We have to be careful what we listen to. We have to be careful even on the programs, on the radio and on television that we see that talk about God. Because there's so many types of teachings out there, so many types of doctrines out there, so many types of different ministries out there. And Father, if we're not careful, we're going to get all confused. We're going to get all mixed up. We're going to get all messed up. And we're going to start thinking things that are not correct. Help us, Lord. Help us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Help us to take time to test and to examine the information that we are listening to, Lord, and not to let ourselves get all caught up with things that are not of God. Protect your church. Protect us, Lord. If you're here tonight and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If you're listening online right now and you want to surrender your life to the Lord, I want you to say this prayer of repentance with me right now. Just repeat these words. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, to forgive me of all my sins. Tonight, I receive the free gift of salvation that you offer to all mankind. I willingly open the door to my heart. I ask you, Jesus, to come in. Take over my life. Be Lord of my life. I surrender to you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless your church. Those of you that need any personal ministry, if you need prayer, you feel free to come on up to the altar and we'll pray for you. By the way, I just realized 
Bella, are you running that that overhead thing? Hey, let's say thank you to Bella. I think it's her first time running this overhead thing. And I hope she does it again now that I put her on blast and embarrass the poor girl. But good job, Bella. Thank you so much for doing that for us. That is awesome. I'm proud of you, girl. That is so cool. God bless you guys. Have a great evening.